Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. How's everybody doing? Kind of hard not to be doing pretty good after some worship like that. Like really kind of stirred up. Hope I have some voice left because I know I used a lot of it just doing that. Hey, um, so it's great to worship and see your smiling faces, mostly smiling. <laughs> um, and, and yours out there too. Um, so prayer and fasting starts tomorrow. Right. And I uh, just want to encourage you guys, you know, so, so many times we're saying, Lord, speak your love to us. And you're our, we want to know that you, you count us as friends, but I want to just encourage us, as we go into this time of prayer and fasting uh, these next three days, let's act like friends ourselves. you know, because it's, it, sometimes, like, if I only said, Michael, will you do what I want, you know, th- that wouldn't be a good friendship. Sometimes I need to go, hey, man, what do you want to do? And it's like, let's say that to the Lord. Lord, what do you want to do with me? Let's pray that, you know, to the Lord over these next few days, and we've got some prayer guides and stuff. We'll have prayer at noon and seven each day, and then we're going to be back in here on Wednesday night at seven. Seven, yes. Okay, so going to be, going to be good. All right, open your Bibles, if you would, to Ephesians chapter two. I want to thank the one and only Ben Moss for preaching last week, bringing the word, amen. Um, I was praying for his safety, just as a few of these, <laughs> a few of these passes across the front of the podium. I love Ben. That's, those are playful. Um, okay, so we're continuing in this series called One New Humanity uh, on Ephesians. And this is Ephesians 2. And I've, I just feel like I've got some seriously good news this morning. So like really good news, like good news for anybody that feels down, depressed, hurting, guilty, got shame on you for whatever reason. Like all that good news stuff is right there in the gospel. Or you're just down about divisions in the world. Like there's a map here in Ephesians 2 that is all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's good news for us personally, but it's really good news for the world, for us together as the people of God. And I want to just start with a comment that kind of came up in our life group this past Wednesday night. And uh, just different people were highlighting the word incomparable from Ben's message. The incomparable power that's at work in us is like the same working of his mighty strength when he exerted, when he raised Christ Jesus from the dead. And that incomparable word is just, it's all through Ephesians. We're going to have another incomparable riches of his grace in this passage. But these superlative words... um, these, these uh, superlatives, they're all in there. The, the um, boundless love of Jesus Christ, the boundless riches, the unsearchable riches. I, I, and, and he prays that, he can, uh, that we would uh, uh, receive immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. So all of these, these big kind of words, and it's a helpful way for us to start to realize that in Ephesians, we don't get it all figured out. And it, we need humility. We, we need a, I don't have this already down. I remember, you guys have heard me for years, I, I don't know, it's probably 25 years ago or so, but I was reading Ephesians 3.8, and I remember distinctly 
you know, smoke rising out of my right ear when I read that verse. And, and a, a spring popped out of my head, right, just right here, as I read the unsearchable riches of Christ. That's metaphor and hyperbole, by the way. Spring didn't pop out, smoke didn't rise, but my mind was blown, right? Like, I'm never going to get to the end of this. I'm going to get, I can keep treasuring Jesus forever, and I'm not going to get to the end of it. It's unsearchable, it's boundless, and it's immeasurable, it's, it's, it's incomparable. So all of that is there. And so just by way of review, we started this series a couple weeks ago, and we talked about unity to all things, and that God has this plan from before creation ever started. From, it's the, like the prologue to creation. God had a plan to love us, to choose us. We're chosen in love from before creation, to be holy and blameless. We're adopted into the family of God. God has this plan for us to be sons and daughters, daughters and sonship through Jesus Christ. All of that is there for us. And that it, this whole thing, all that God is doing is about us as a people together to God's holy people. Now, there are individual truths for us, for Julia, for Lloyd individually, but this whole thing is communal. It's, it's about community. It's about God's holy people together. And we don't think this way in the West. We think individual my rights, do algorithms that make Instagram do exactly what I want it to do, Facebook, etc. It's about me, <laughs> right? But this Ephesians is about us. Like it's way more about us than what we think. And we have to get to an us mentality because when it's me mentality, it's me and you and me and and then it's maybe some us's and some them's. But God's wanting to bring the world together in Jesus Christ. He's really wanting to bring us all together in Jesus. That we would just, you know, even in Ben's passage, it's an us thing. That we would have wisdom and revelation to know the Father's heart for us together to adopt us. That we would see the glorious riches of his inheritance, Jesus' inheritance. Where? In the saints, in the brothers and sisters, in God's holy people. And so it, that's huge. And he's head over all things, that last piece there. And I want us to just hold on to this. He's head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So there is a place where Jesus is Lord. And it's in our lives. It's wherever he's reigning. That's where his kingdom is. And we want to be there. And outside of that, there's all kinds of angst and anger and narratives and stories. But if we'll stay together in the story of Jesus under his lordship, he's going to lead us forward in a way that's going to bring glory to his name on planet earth. It's all there. Not making this up. I was in a prayer meeting the other day, last Tuesday, and uh, I, we were praying a few, Ephesians 2 a little bit, and uh, I heard the word radical, and I, I felt like it was for today. It's not in the text, but this is a radical message. What we're looking at today, and I, I've had so many different words already today, we've been two different incredible prayer meetings, just in, then we came in here, I'm, I'm excited, so just help me, Lord, get it out. But I do want to say this, I'm not going to be able to say everything there is to say about Ephesians 2. 
There's going to be all kinds of things. We're going to read it in a second, but the Lord's going to stir different things in different people's hearts. I mean, we could do a series on Ephesians 2. It's incredible. But radical comes from the Latin word radix, which means root. And so I'm calling this message Radical New Reality because we're going down to the roots of what God's vision is for us. It's like, and if we'll do this, it's gonna hold us together in a way that we have not conceived of before. Radical, new, what's, what is reality? It's truth. Reality is the way things actually are. And we want to live in a radical, rooted way in the way things actually are in Jesus Christ. That's, that's what we wanna do. That's what God's calling us, us to do. And so uh, we wanna live in the truth. It's exciting, it's hopeful. I've just lately, I've been telling Micah and some of the others, I, I don't know that I want to stand up here and preach a message that doesn't have some hope in it right now. The time we're living in, at least there's like, I know there's a handful of you guys that need some hope this morning. Could you just make some noise? Needs, we need hope, man. We, we just need it. The problem is, though, we get blinded, bamboozled, hoodwinked, little little sacks pulled over our heads and blinding our eyes so that we can't see the truth as it is. And so we need the, the blinders pulled off. And that's, you know, we're going to see that right here in the start of this passage is that there's a lot of blinding going on from the Satan and from the world system and from our flesh and believing lies, all of that stuff. Anybody ever believed a lie? It is the number one tactic of the enemy is to get us to believe lies and to not believe the truth. And who benefits if we believe a lie about chapter two? Who benefits if we don't believe the truth about one new humanity? It's Satan and his kingdom. It's the ruler of the kingdom of the air. That's who benefits. So it's huge that we get this passage. I have faced so many distractions and obstacles getting to the pulpit this morning. I mean, I was standing there... this isn't in the notes. I just was, Wednesday I was praying and I felt like I was standing at the edge of something beautiful and then distraction after distraction after distraction. Finished writing yesterday, you know, and just, I, I just, Lord, give us a heart to learn. We, we, we need a humble learner's heart. In fact, you might just turn to somebody and say, I don't have all, smile and say, I don't have this all figured out yet. Just Amen. Right? Right. Amen. I don't have this all figured out either. We're in this together. But God, by his spirit, is showing us some new stuff. You know, he's showing us just how, uh, and and I'll say this too. We were going to preach this chapter two in two sections. And Jim Reynolds uh, is in our uh, sermon planning time. He said, brother, we can't do this in two sections because that's what always happens. People talk about the grace stuff by themselves and don't get on to the us together, the one new humanity stuff. And that's all the gospel too, right? And Paul's like emphatic about it in Galatians. He says, it's another gospel if you try to do two tables when we're a one table people. So let's stand up for the reading of the word of God. I'm gonna read Ephesians chapter two. Yeah, Lord, give us light. I know you're gonna speak to different people in different ways. Open up our hearts to see the truth, uh, the map of how you're leading us forward. Reality, the real map. 
in the name of Jesus. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Therefore, all connected, therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time, You were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ for he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away And peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Have a seat. I can't do it better. I'm going to talk about it, but I can't do it better than just reading it and us getting it, right? So the main thing I'm saying here this morning is that God is calling us to to map our lives according to the radical new reality of one new humanity in Christ. Like that's the map. It's not something that we make happen. There's so many things that in this passage, it's like, what has God done? And we, it's like D-Day. On D-Day, you know, the allies landed at Normandy Beach and basically the, the war was gonna be over once the, the allies landed but there were still many more battles to fight. And that's, that's kind of our life in God. You know, Jesus has won the victory, but there are battles for us to fight. There, are, there, there really are. There's battles for us to fight. We were dead and divided, 
but God has made us alive and together in Christ so that we can express worship and the unity of heaven and earth under Christ. This is the truth of God. I'm just saying it out of Ephesians. God's purpose was to form the fractured and divided ethnicities of the world into one new humanity in Christ. And God is calling us now to live, like we finished chapter one, we live under the headship of Jesus Christ. And it's only in him and in our life together in him that we can know the fullness of all that God has for us. I, I just, I, I'm not full without Charlotte's perspective and Ben's experiences of success and failures. And we all see a, a bigger picture of Jesus together because of what he's done and how his grace has met us as we live life together in the church. So radical, radical new reality. Let's talk about it. I'm making two points out of the one to 10 and, and 11 to 22, but it's, it's, all, it's all the same. It's one flow. It's, it's all together. Just like everything else in this letter is all together. Next week, it's gonna be, whoa, eternal purpose of God on display, manifold wisdom of heaven. You know, I love that too. But it all fits together in how we live ethically together, how we do this in our homes together, how we battle out and, and live it out in our vocations, how we battle uh, and do spiritual warfare, not with each other, not with humans who have flesh and blood, but the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms that are trying to get us to not see the truth of what I'm talking about right now. Really big deal. So number one, radical grace. Radical grace. And this is grace that goes all the way down to the root. The a rootedness is what God is calling us to. And so he's rescued us. He's redeemed us. I was, I was on an R thing. He rescued us. He redeemed us. He raised us. All of that's right there in those first few verses of verses one through 10. And so he's rescued us from the ruler of the kingdom of the air, from the world system, and from our own flesh. Sin, death, and the devil in the world system. That's what the cross rescues us out of. And just living in those lies all the time, deceived and being deceived, deceiving others, that kind of darkness. And that's what the enemy wants to do. I have a book recommendation. I'm just, just a third halfway into it right now, but get it. John Mark Comer has got a brand new book. It's called Live No Lies. And it's just some good advice for everybody in this room because it's a, it's a tendency for us to live, live in a lie, live in something that's not the truth, live in a different narrative, a different story. So that's huge. But uh, this battle, you guys, we've been rescued from this, but the battle is still on. Okay, we've been rescued, but you can jump back into this. You can jump back into lies. Y'all know that, right? Um, yeah, I, I, I can. And like, oh man, I can't believe I did that. I was believing a lie that led me up to doing that. Right? So he's rescued us from sin and death, the devil, the world system, and he's redeemed us. But God, but God Yes, he's made, when we were dead and could do nothing, how much can a dead person do to save themselves? Nada, zero, nilch, donut, nothing. <laughs> Trying to get the point across, nothing. He raised us up while we were dead. 
He, he redeemed us. He made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions and sins. So he redeemed us and he raised us up. He raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. We're talking about a different kind of map of reality, aren't we? It's a different kind of map. I'm not just a normal person sitting around here living my life. I've actually been seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. And it's gonna take coming ages for him to reveal the grace of God that's been given to us and the kindness that's expressed to us in Christ Jesus. Like it's gonna take ages. The movie screen's up there. I'm like, whoa, whoa. A whole age went by and he's still just showing us the grace? No, another age coming. Whoa, the grace of God on display. You know, it's by grace we've been saved through faith. It's not, a, we, didn't, we didn't do it. It's not by works. We're not, you know, the, the yeah. Uh, so uh, just so huge there. We've been raised up, and, but we do, he did it, but it's not that we're not participating with him now. He's got works for us to do. He's got stuff that he made us creatively to do to now partner with him in this wonderful new life, in this kingdom, in this life together, in this one new humanity together. He's got stuff that he wants us, each one of us, all of us, our families, our life groups, Antioch, Fort Worth to do, Antioch movement, all the churches in the city together doing stuff for him. It's radical. It's, it's a grace that's radical that goes all the way down, that gets deeper than all of the little schemes and the lies that we believe that we come up with, that we're kind of earning things or we're gonna, we, can, we can do it. It's like, uh, you know, there's a difference between legal repentance, like I'm gonna do this in order to get God turned toward me and he's gonna then love me. There's a difference between that legal repentance and covenant repentance, which is where you go, God, you did, wow. Yeah, I wanna order my life to you now. But I'm not trying to order my life to you to get you to do something and change your mind and kind of coerce you to do something you wouldn't otherwise have already done for me through Jesus Christ. And again, you know, it's this, the Father planned it. We're talking about this. Jesus executed it. And the Holy Spirit makes it real in our experience. We're like, wow. And that's what born again, it's like a new life, salvation, waking up to the truth of who God is in Jesus Christ. So that's the first piece, radical grace. And the second piece then is radical unity. And this is unity that goes all the way down, all the way down to the, to the root of, of who we are as the people of God. And again, he has reconciled us and he has reformed us. I, I don't mean that like, reformed theology per se. It's more like he's reformed us together as the people of God. Bless reformed theology. But, um, but he's reconciled us. So he's brought us together. We were far away. We were at odds with each other. The law has a, that effect on us. It makes us at odds with each other. And when we try to live that way, like I do these things well, you don't do them. You don't do them well. And it, even the way... Uh, God chose the Israelites by grace. He chose them, but he marked them off with the law and it made a real barrier between them and all the other peoples of the world. And so there was this, this wall that just grew bigger and bigger over time. But God brought us near by the blood of Jesus Christ. Even though we were 
aliens and foreigners and outside of those promises, God brought us near through the cross. So he himself is our peace. He's made the two groups. One has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create one new humanity, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. So the hostility is gone, and it's, again, it's like that's what the battle, that's what landing at Normandy Beach, Jesus did. And now we're in this in-between time where we've got to walk this thing out. The truth, the, the real map, we walk out the real map, reality, Radical new reality all the way down to the roots. That's what we're called to do. He's reconciled us to God through Jesus Christ. But in being reconciled to God, what does that mean for us with each other? I mean, if you're in the family of God and I'm in the family of God, we're in the family of God. It's not, it's not complicated. If we've been reconciled to God, then God's heart is that we'd be reconciled to each other. So that's, that's where this thing goes. That's what he's doing. That's what he's saying. He came and he preached peace to us, to you, to us, together. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. I'm, you guys, there's so, there's so, 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 so much here. It could be a series, you know, I'm, the, the blood of Christ is how we draw near. And that's the Trinity right there. And I'm gonna hit pause on all the things I wanna say about that. You guys know I'm passionate about that so that we can just stay on this. We're reconciled and we're reformed together. And so this passage, that 14 to 17 right there is just huge. Jesus has done this and we are called to believe it and to walk in it and to adjust our thinking over and over and over again, to repent again and again and again every time we get off of the map. He's given us this map in Jesus Christ, and we follow this map and live in the trajectory of one new humanity out of the reality of that. And so it's, it's uh, and can anybody, like, you know, you get off the map sometimes, and you find yourself out from under the lordship of Jesus, and you're over here just freaking out about whatever, you know, he wants us all back on the map, back on the map, the radical new reality. He put to death hostility. And you know what he wants in the place of that is hospitality. That's, that, that's what he's calling to the wall of hostilities down and the table of hospitality has been set. And he wants us walking that out. What, you know, where are the walls in our relationships you know, whether it's ethnic or this or that group or that generation, <laughs> the whole generation's messed up. I could say that though, right? If we don't like it, right? And we create these walls, those men, those women, those, those us and thems. And we all, the Lord is calling us to something beautiful here, not just tolerating someone else, but moving toward them moving toward each other in the image of God. And, you know, I, I, I said this earlier, but, you know, it's like we can't separate these, these two big paragraphs here. You know, it's not just my grace comes to me personally. Grace comes to us together. And then make the one new humanity thing an optional, you know, 501 class or something. No, it's all together. And it's important that we live this out 
together. Um, and, and so I, it's grace and unity together. Simultaneously, God gives grace and he deals with race. It's all, it's all there together. And we cannot separate grace from race. It goes together. It's the gospel. It, it really is the gospel. And we're beginning to see it more and more but it's all of us together. And if we miss this, we miss the heart of the gospel. It's not an optional thing that you can opt in or opt out of. So it's, it's the way it is. And there is no separation from individual blessing and what we've been brought in together. You know, when we started this year, uh, we were talking about roots, actually. And I had read, read a book. I forget the name of the book, Graydon. Uh, the, the Deeply Formed Life by Rich Velotis. He's a pastor that I got to meet up a few years ago in uh, Queens, uh, New Life Fellowship. And uh, he wrote a book, uh, The Deeply Formed Life, and he started off with this illustration of going to visit the Redwoods in California. And he couldn't believe it because they're the height of a 36-story building. That was the only reference point he had because he's from New York. 36-story building, you got a tree that's that high. He's like, how did these things stay up? I mean, how deep must their roots be? And the guy that he was with, a guide, said, well, they don't really have deep roots, but their roots are all interlocked together. So instead of one tree falling over, which isn't gonna happen because they're all interlocked together, it would be like the whole redwood forest would have to, you know, the whole thing would have to somehow topple over. It's not gonna happen. And that's, the Lord is taking us deeper and to interlock our roots with one another to be the one new humanity, to be the community of God that he's called us to be together. Now, the temptation is gonna be to find another map. And there's a lot of other, uh, you know, hey, try this. Hey, kid, come here, try this guy. Right? You know? And so there's a lot, there's a lot. And, and they are not that... Uh, insidiously obvious, right? They're, they're not that obvious. And it's, it be, that's why it's a temptation. Lies are deceptive because they're believable. And there are a lot of times they're close to the truth. Other ideas about reality, another story, another narrative. Kim and I watched this show, I think last week on PBS about William Randolph Hearst. Y'all ever heard of him? A lot will have heard of him, but he was, uh, he, he was super wealthy. There's a castle out in California that he built. It's just flagrantly gaudy wealthy. And uh, he was already wealthy. His dad uh, had silver and gold money in the gold rush to California. And so he's a wealthy dude, but uh, he started buying up newspapers. And he ended up owning like all of the major newspapers in the United States and he strictly controlled all that stuff. What went in, the news, what didn't go in to the news, he decided it. It was all focused. It's like the powers were at work in this guy. He's walking around, but there's somebody behind him, you know, kind of, you know, pulling the strings and stuff. And so then he starts buying uh, newsreels, how to make newsreels. That was a cutting edge communication at the turn of the century when they started having movie houses and things, early, early uh, tens and teens, and uh, newsreels. He bought radio stations. He bought uh, a film company, started producing movies, and all of it's interconnected. It's all interconnected. In fact, the word media was invented to describe what William Randolph Hearst did. 
That's where that, that's where that word came from, was media was, is developed by what he was doing, connecting all of these things into one cohesive story. And it was very political in different ways, and it, and it tugged the strings. People believed what he wanted them to believe. Isn't that an amazing story? And I wrote that, I was writing that down because Kim and I have been like, man, this is crazy. Like our whole media system right now is still impacted by what he did 100 years ago. It's just, it's amazing. And I wrote his name down, Hearst, and, and hit that next slide. I realized that's just a little twisting of hearts. Like his name, Hearst, and it, just, it was a revelation to me. Like, it's just a little twist. Like what, what the enemy wants to do is twist just get our hearts off just a bit and, and mess with us. So there's, there's, there's all these different uh, narratives out there. In fact, um, y'all remember the, uh, the app that came out that made you old? Everybody do that? You know, made the old app, and then we all found out like a few days later, like the Russian government was behind it. And <laughs> bummer, you know, I hate that, you know? And they got my face, you know? I don't know what they're gonna do with that. You know, but it's literally the Russian, it's dif, disinformatia. It's a, there's a word, it's for, it's what they're trying to do. It's a KGB, I'm really not trying to be political. I'm trying to make a point though, that different storylines, and they would just insert little bitty lies into our social media platforms and things like that. Just get the, just that little bit of twist there. And here's where I'm going with this. And I got a few implications. But uh, where we're going is that the disciples, we're called disciples over 260 times in the New Testament, but we're only called Christians two or three times, depending on which translation you look at. And the first time that we're called Christians is in Acts 11. The disciples were there first called Christians in Antioch. And what was going on in Antioch? Jews and Gentiles were coming together in the church. There was diversity, there was, there was one new humanity that was being expressed, and for the first time, people's like, they aren't just disciples of Jesus, they are Christians. And I've said this before, but we need to reclaim the word Christian. It's been so devalued and so misunder, uh, you know, underachieved for what, what we're called to be in the body of Christ. And so we are, the way he finishes chapter two, and, uh, and, you know, this, you guys, this really is a conversation. It's, it's a conversation that's ongoing. In fact, we, when we made the decision to preach this all in one chapter, we said, hey, um, let's, let's get somebody else to share. And I, I think Isaiah's running the slides back there today, but Isaiah's going to preach next week, different ethnicity, different generation, different life experiences, different successes and failures. And I bet he doesn't say the same things that I say. We're gonna do chapter two, two weeks in a row. So that's kind of the plan there. And so I'll just finish, like the end of the chapter ends with we've been, we're being built together to become a temple. Like this is a massive theme throughout scripture, Genesis to Revelation, like this is deep theology, but we're being built together, stones cut, chiseled, brought together, in a way that we can now withstand the attacks of the enemy because there's solidity here together, but also a temple is about, it's all about where heaven meets earth. And it's all about the praise of God. It's about the will of heaven touching earth and the praise of God flowing to heaven. And so 
That's, you know, it's, it's beautiful. Ezekiel 47, I can't get into all this, but there is a, a, a river flowing from this, this temple that was gonna be coming that is, finds its initiation in Jesus. He said, I'm gonna tear this temple down and rebuild it in three days. And now that future temple is being expressed in us. And, and waters, living waters flowing out from us, or at least that's the intention. And you see the end of the story in Revelation 22, there's a temple that's like heaven and earth together. The whole thing's a temple and river of living waters flowing out from it. And that's, we're supposed to be for the praise of the glory of God. A people that live together, united, expressing God's praise, withstanding the, the, the attacks of the enemy and, and living for the praise and the glory of God. Three implications. The first one is that we need to know the map we're following. We really need to know the map. Like, are you following the map that is reality? The way things really are, the truth. The way things really are in Jesus, and he is the truth. And that's why, you know, part of this is, I've been saying, read Ephesians every week. I've had people say they're reading it more than once a week. I had one person say, I'm reading it, I'm trying to read it every day. We need to know the map. You know, we, we are... You know, our culture, even in the church, is becoming more and more biblically illiterate. And so, you know, young guys, young adults, families, empty nesters, everybody that's represented here, you know, let's be, let's not be biblically illiterate, but let's read the word, let's know the map, and, and, and let's, Let's have, our, have, have humility about us as we read that so that we can see, Lord, there's things that need to change. I need to calibrate my heart, my life, my thinking. Help me, Lord. Help us, Lord, together. Second implication, so know the map. The second implication, live this out together in our spheres of influence. You know, maybe we can't change the whole world, but we can change where we have a say-so. So, Zach and Claire, you know, in your fa family, you have a say-so there together or in, in physical therapy or just the places where our vocations, what we're doing throughout the week, we have a say-so. Let's commit to living this thing out, to recalibrating, to realigning, to thinking and asking Jesus, what is my next step? That's what matters. Jesus, what is my next step? So that his reign is actually coming in and through my life. Jesus, what is my next step? What's my next step in this area? What's the next step in this meeting? I was uh, down at World Mandate on Friday and um, uh, had lunch with Francis Chan. <laughs> and about 300 other people. <laughs> That's so goofy. But it was down there for that lunch and uh, he, Francis loves Antioch. And, uh, and then that afternoon, though, I, we spent some time with the uh, Antioch, D.C. guys. Jimmy had invited me, and I was traveling with Drew Land, and we went in there, and it was just, it was great. Just listening to, there's 15 or 20 of the, the guys there and, uh, from D.C., and, and uh, they were asking questions like, do you have any advice for millennials, Gen Z, you know, and those kind of questions like that. And, um, I mean, these guys are world changers, working at the Capitol, all kinds of stuff like that, DC guys. And Jimmy had some great answers. Uh, Jimmy Seibert leads the movement in Antioch Waco. 
He started with devotional life. Hey, you need, there's nothing more important I can tell you than spending time with God. Doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, that's the key. Spend time with God every day, every morning. Get up, spend time with Jesus. And then we all kind of got on this thing about forgiveness. Forgiveness is really important, right? Because if you can't forgive, you just get stuck and the devil gets a foothold. You get angry, you get cranky, but you, you're like systemically cranky because he's, work, he's, he's got a place to work in your life, right? So forgiveness, can I get a witness? Just, just forgiveness is huge, right? And then he talked about faithfulness a little bit because, man, being faithful in the little. We all see a massive dream to bring 55 countries together for a, you know, I mean, these guys are world changers. But then Jimmy had this quote, and I just wanna, I wish I'd have put it up on the screen. You might wanna write this down. I, I was scrambling for my phone when I heard him say it. You know, you guys are idealistic, and that's good at, at one level to be, have that kind of faith. But idealism is best lived out personally before you project it on others. Yeah, yeah. So idealism is best lived out personally before you project it on others. So we want to live this out in our spheres of influence where we're like being the change that we want to see happen and not just saying, yeah, you need to change and you need to change and you need to change. But, you know, it's like that grandfather that got, uh, what's that, Lim, Limburger? Is that the stinky cheese? He got some Limburger on his, on his mustache and he was like in the kitchen. He goes, man, this kitchen stinks. He went out to the living room. He's like, this living room stinks. He goes out to the front porch. He's like, but the whole world stinks. You know, I haven't shared that in years. <laughs> Not in the notes, sorry. It's the reason why I don't tell jokes. <laughs> but just live it out in our spheres. Here's something really practical. Your schedule is how you're gonna change. You can be aware of it right here, get aware of stuff, even be biblically convicted, but until you schedule stuff, we don't change. Our lives just get swallowed up. So schedule, here's my advice, schedule dinners. Just schedule dinner with somebody different and from you, different ethnicity, whatever, different generation, just something that would help us be more fully one new humanity together. And then finally, final implication, it's, a, it's all about discipleship. It really is. We are being discipled into the life that is found in Christians, to be Christian. Like, let's, it's not just, you know, just you made a profession of faith. It's not just you drive past a church. At least biblically, Christian would be someone who, one, in First Peter, either suffers for the gospel, be proud that you wear that name, or in Acts 11, it's the Jew Gentile, it's the multi-ethnic church coming together. So we want to be one new humanity. We want to be the temple where the praise of God is lifted up for the glory of God from the different peoples that are represented together. Y'all stand up. Okay, worship team, come on up. And... Uh, we do this every week, you guys, but just want to respond to the Lord here a bit. And I want to finish here where I, where I started. I, I really, I think there's hope for it. There's hope that God wants to bring into our lives on these different areas, these different issues. And if you, like, if you have not made a clear decision to follow Jesus and to receive the grace that he's given you, while you were dead, he made you alive 
in Jesus Christ and seated you with him in the heavenly realms, would you just say yes to the Lord and align yourself now to his, his reality, his map for your life and for us together? So there's hope for grace, but you know what else? There is hope for unity, for us living together as the people of God. And so we may need to change some mindsets if we're believing some lies like that stuff at the start of the chapter, uh, you know, under the power of the prince of the air, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, or the world system, or just even just, just messed up from our flesh. Lord, would you bring us to clarity today? Is it just we're, uh, Prayer team, come on up and let's just go ahead. I, I mean, there's so much here, you guys. But let's pray this in. Receive prayer. Receive ministry about where, just where you're at. What needs to change in your own world to walk deeper into the grace of God, to be rooted together with others. Maybe there's some attitudes or mindsets that need to change. Um, but just, man, the grace of God is here. It, it really is. It's here. And there's hope for every discouraged. I just, I just see division. Hey, God has a different map for us. He has a different way forward for us. Let's align ourselves to him. And whatever else, if you have any other kind of prayer needs, I know there's so much going on right now, but just let's respond to the Lord. Don't, please don't leave and not have somebody pray for you if you've got a need going on in your world. Amen. Let's respond to God. Father, meet us here today. Uh, just move us forward. Bring salvation in all the different ways that happens. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Y'all come. We love you, Lord.